Welcome to another episode of Rochelle Zell Stories, the podcast of Rochelle Zell Jewish High School. My name is Rabbi Zachary Silver, and I have the privilege to serve as Roth Beit Sefer of our school. We wish health and strength to everyone as we shelter in place and try to flatten this curve. While school is now online, we have the opportunity to celebrate some of the extraordinary accomplishments of our students. It's appropriate that we begin this genre of the podcast by delving into the Model UN team. Now, of all times, we are realizing how connected everyone in this world really is. The National High School Model United Nations Conference in New York brings together schools and delegates from around the world, over 3,000 students in total from over 300 schools. The conference features delegates representing each of the member nations in the UN, serving on each of the different committees that make up the international body. For three days, students engage in diplomacy, working together to pass resolutions on every topic that is germane to the UN. While it was not possible this year, typically the conference both begins and concludes in the General Assembly Hall of the UN building. For the past six years, the Rochelle Zell Model United Nations team has won the International First Prize. They have gone to the conference and brought home the Team Award of Distinction, given to five teams at the conference. Additionally, for the past three years, Rochelle Zell has won the Research and Preparation Award of Distinction, awarding the quality of preparation and writing. Mazel Tov to individual winners during this year's conference, Mital Meisler and Daniel Tates for their Award of Distinction on the Historical Crisis Committee, and to Alex Bernay for his Award of Merit on the Crisis Committee. Mazel Tov to plenary session speakers Carly Winnick and Matt Weiss, who worked on the United Nations Security Council, to Seth Sugar and Rachel Hochberg, who worked on the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, to Mital Meisler and Daniel Tates, who worked on the Historical Security Council, and to Sean Dreyfus and Aiden Lerner, who worked on the United Nations World Tourism Organization. So what is Model United Nations? What leads to our school's success year in and year out? We sat down with 2020 team captains, seniors, Mital Meisler and Betsy Winnick, along with faculty advisors, Mr. Dale Griffith and Ms. June Kramer, to learn a bit more about the program. We're here with Maytel Meisler and Betsy Winnick, the co-presidents of Model UN, the six-time champion Model UN team that went to the Nisman Conference, the National High School Model UN Conference in New York, and came back once again with a gold medal. And we want to talk to you a little bit about what is MUN, uh, and also why is Rochelle Sell Jewish High School so good at MUN? So Betsy and Maytel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. So we're on a Zoom call. This is the new normal. And yet, we're going to bring some joy into our Zoom meetings, even if we can't be in person. Um, so here are a couple questions. I just want you to begin by tell us a little bit about what is Model United Nation. What are some of the goals of the conference? And perhaps you could tell us a little bit from your own vantage point, your own committee, what were you trying to do in, in MUN? Um, I, I can start. So really, the, the focus of MUN is diplomacy. There are three main pillars to MUN, one of them being diplomacy, as I mentioned before. There's also being a conscious global citizen and public speaking. So those are really the three things that MUN holds itself to. So every day when we start class, we start class by discussing the news and we'll have different members of the team 
both rookies, which are our new members, and veterans, who are people who have been on the team and are returning, will read the news and prepare a short speech to give about their news to inform the entire team about what is going on in the world. Because as Model UN students, we really want to focus on being conscious global citizens and knowing our surroundings. As far as public speaking, we really focus a lot on teaching the people in our class how to speak publicly. That That's a really important life skill, um, as well as in Model UN, because you have to speak in front of large audiences about a specific topic. And then going back to that first pillar of diplomacy, when we go to the conference, we're given an issue, and we then have to solve that issue. And in order to solve a certain issue with so many countries representing all different perspectives, it's really important to focus on diplomacy. And that really means being able to represent your own country while still engaging all other countries, um, treating everyone with respect, and being aware of the differences that everyone has, being able to work with those and work past those in order to come to a comprehensive resolution that helps solve whatever global issue you're talking about. I wanted to go back a little and speak more about what we do during class. Another thing that we focus on along with articulate speaking is articulate writing. So in order to be eligible for awards at the conference, we have to write a position paper. Generally what this is, is our country's position on the topic for whatever committee each delegation is in. So generally there are two students per committee and each committee has two topics. So one partner will take topic A and one partner will take topic B. And each partner writes their own 10 page research paper completely outlining the topic and then outlining whatever given country we have that year, that country's opinion on the topic and policies as well as a couple pages of solutions to that topic. Great. I want to just like zoom in on the conference itself and let's start with Betsy. Could you tell us the committee that you were on and also what happened on that committee? Yeah, so Maytal and I had very different experiences this year. I was on a general assembly um, main committee. So there were around like 250, 300 kids in my committee. I was on the social cultural humanitarian committee, otherwise known as SOCUM. Um, and the goal of SOCUM is to talk about sort of like the cultural, social problems that are seen in our world. So the topic that we discussed this year was xenophobia, racism, and related intolerance. This really honed in on all of the different cultures, races, and like refugee crises that are found throughout the world. And we all came together to talk about solutions, primarily focusing on how to educate the world, how to create dialogue, and how to monitor the hate speech and xenophobic rhetoric that's seen across the internet and just across the world. Mital, what was your committee? So I was on a, com a committee in a group called Specialized Committees, and those are committees whose <laughs> mandate is different than the General Assembly UN Committee. So I was on a committee called Historical Security Council, which is Security Council, except from the moment you step into the room, you go back to whatever year is assigned. So this year, I was in the year 1986. I was representing Ghana, which is not a P5 member. P5 is five permanent countries to the United Nations Security Council, and they have veto power. So as Ghana, I didn't have that veto power, but I was still able to really represent my country's point of view. And we discussed the Iran-Iraq war, which was an issue during 1986. 
And because we were the Security Council, we were able to impose sanctions, send peacekeeping forces to help resolve tensions, as well as impose tariffs, which are all things that are special to the Security Council that other General Assembly committees aren't able to do. Generally, the Security Council issues will be a much more in-depth, detailed issue because our mandate allows us to do so much more than any other committee is able to do. It's a much smaller committee, too, because staying true to the UN, the Security Council only has 15 delegations. So whereas in Betsy's committee, she was working with 300 people to create a solution. I was working with 30 people. It was double delegation, so two people per delegation in order to create a solution to the very complicated issue of the Iran-Iraq war. Um, And what also makes the Security Council special is that people are much more devoted to representing their country's point of view. So there are lots of different divides and complications that come from being on the Security Council, because especially on an issue like the Iran-Iraq war, which is very much uh, double-sided, there, you're all trying to come to one resolution together that everyone will agree on in order to solve this issue. But everyone has d- differing interests, especially because Iran and Iraq supply over 60% of the world's oil. So they have different economic interests, different political interests. So you really have to use your diplomacy and your conflict resolving skills in order to get the entire committee to agree upon a resolution. Because unless the entire, unless the majority of the committee can agree, no resolution will pass, and the issue will not be solved. Whether it be this year or previous year, can you tell me an example of, of a crisis, or maybe not a crisis, but something that a committee has solved? I can talk about hate speech online. So this year, in my committee, we talked a lot about Islamophobia, and one of the solutions that was passed in my committee was like not only Islamophobia, but just like uh, an intolerance rating system online that would be implemented in governments across the world so that they can monitor the use of the internet for hate speech and try to flag certain social media platforms that are being used particularly to spread this kind of violent rhetoric that um, sparks like any big like social gathering or protest or violent attack, that's sort of how we defined it to be dangerous because it's really important not to limit the use of free speech, but hate speech and using the internet to sort of normalize this kind of talk is very, very prevalent in our world today. It's seen all across Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube actually have signed some sort of contract, but it's really not working. So we came up with this rating system to sort of flag the platforms that are being used the most and the users on those platforms that are known to spread that kind of rhetoric. That's amazing. That's really practical and such a real issue in our world. So I'll speak about the Iran-Iraq war just because that's most fresh in my memory. So part of what we did is one of the biggest complications between Iran and Iraq is that they have so much shared land where they both benefit economically from that land, but they're not willing to share. There's specifically one waterway called the Shat al-Arab waterway in which they transport their oil from in order to trade with the rest of the global community. And Iraq has a very small section of this waterway, but they still want full control over it, and so does Iran. So in order to have them 
both be able to transport their oil to the global community. We allowed Iran to have complete access to the Shat al-Arab waterway. And we, for the time being, redirected Iraq's trade to other waterways that go through her country and into Jordan and Turkey that can then use the, uh, Jordan can use the Gulf of, of Aqaba to then transport the oil for Iraq into the rest of the global community. And while Iraq's trade is being redirected into those routes, the Security Council will work together with various NGOs in order to build a canal through Iran, or sorry, through Iraq, that goes into the Persian Gulf, similar to the building of the Panama Canal. And that will allow Iraq and Iran to both continue trading oil and to benefit economically without stepping on each other's toes and fighting over that oil. And we additionally incentivized Iraq to agree to this term since they are losing more for the time being. We we incentivize Iraq to agree to the terms by using the Security Council funding to help establish a national bank within Iraq that will support Iraq's economy, as well as make it much more stable than it has been in the past, um, which will really incentivize Iran to not focus so much of her economy on oil. Um, And if she is compliant with the peace terms that the United Nations has set up for um, her country, such as not using chemical weapons on Iranian civilians or on her own Kurdish population, which is another issue, then the United Nations Security Council will give more funding to help Iraq grow her textile industry as well as her communications so that she can continue growing her economy to be uh, less reliant on oil because as of as of 1986, her economy was 99.5% reliant on oil. Clearly, mine has been a big part of your high school lives. And I want you to think over the past four years, what have you learned? What skills have you gained? And what do you think that you're going to take with you as you move on past high school? Let's start with Betsy. I think Model UN has really taught me what it means to be confident, not only in speaking before an audience or in working with people, but just in my own independent beliefs. Because when you're representing a country like Saudi Arabia or Iran, and you have these very sometimes radical or like unrelatable to other countries opinions that you have to represent, you have to stick to them. And when you're trying to work with all of these other countries, you have to maintain your viewpoint and your solutions, but at the same time, you have to make it clear that you acknowledge what they're saying. You have to validate that their arguments are also valid and they're true, and you respect what they say, but you still have to go forward with your own path. But at the same time, we're all collaborating and we're all working together. So making sure to to sort of keep that confidence has given me a lot of strength, I think, in just social dynamics throughout high school, but also just in terms of what we do in the classroom. Since fresh since freshman year, there were only three freshmen chosen. It was me, Maytal, and Matt. And being the three freshmen was very intimidating. And sort of like surviving that rookie year together, I think has taught me a lot about how to kind of stand on my own, especially when I'm with a lot of older kids and I'm intimidated like what it means to really represent myself and how to be confident in front of a large group of people, how to speak clearly and voice my opinions, how important it is to stand up for what I believe in and to just get my voice heard. 
I think I've also taken that to all of my classes in terms of being able to articulate what I'm thinking in a very clear and diplomatic way when there's sort of an argument, being able to mitigate that in a debate or a discussion in class. Ditto to everything that Betsy said. I 100% agree. But I'll talk about another aspect that I feel like I've really learned from Mon, which is how to be a conflict solver. Obviously, in the grand scheme, we're solving conflicts because in during the conference, we're given an issue, and then it's our job to solve it. But those aren't really the conflict-resolving skills that I think I've learned over Mon. I think that comes from the situations that you were thrown in into committee, especially my first three years when I was on a much larger committee, we would have something called an unmoderated caucus, which is when everyone in the committee stands up, we're no longer politely sitting down, speaking, discussing, it's completely uncivilized, and everyone gets up, and this is when you try and take the power, and you're trying to really win and assert yourself as the leader of all these 300 people. And because so many different people are trying to assert themselves as the dominant person in the room and trying to really make themselves the one that's being heard, a lot of conflict arises during, during these times. And the, the point of these unmoderated caucuses is to further solve the issue. But conflicts arise between delegates because everyone is so competitive. And I think part of what makes our team so special is that once we're able to step back and say, Let's all work together. Let's open up the circle and include everyone. Stop having petty arguments over who's going to win, who's going to take dominance. Let's try and work together and help facilitate a strong discussion where everyone is included. And I think this is really important because so I've been able to use these skills so often in life because when you're working with so many people of different perspectives, it's really difficult to have everyone on the same page and working together. But the situations that I've been thrown in in MUN have taught me how to take everyone's opinions and help people to work together and facilitate that discussion when so many people are in a disagreement. And it's really important that you're able to step in in those rough and tense moments and really resolve the underlying conflict that's going on. So Mun has taught me how to help other people as well as help myself really focus on what needs to be focused on and not let everyone's personal preferences get in the way and really be able to resolve that conflict in order to focus on the larger issue at hand. So for the final question, I want to ask, what does it mean to win? We have a beautiful sign in the parking lot that says, at this point, five, but to be added, six-time international champions of Model United Nations. And I'm wondering, how do you win MUN? Um, so... This is something that we actually talk about kind of how we like train the rookies right away by telling them our like key to winning, I guess. As Maytal was saying, it's hard being the one to mitigate those petty arguments. And a lot of the times in Model UN, you'll be working with delegates who are, who are trying to sneak behind your back and they want to take the solutions from you. They want to get all the credit for doing all the work. They want to be the best speaker. They don't actually care about what anyone is saying as long as they're the ones that are being recognized for doing all the work. And so what we do is we go in there and we be our Jewish mensch selves and that's how we win because we go in and we say, I hear what you're saying and that's a really important point. Why don't we work together and write a solution to solve this? Instead of saying, just give me all of your solutions and I'll go write them in my hotel room. We 
really make sure to validate and to acknowledge every single person in that room across the, I don't even know, 15 different committees that we actually have. You will see the Rochelle Zell delegation in there speaking with all of the kids who are sitting in the back of the room on their phones in committee who don't actually care. They're, they're, they're just there with their school. But we're going and we're engaging everyone and we're being transparent and we're being genuine. We are actually trying to make these friendships, to make these bonds and have a meaningful experience at the conference together rather than just trying to take all of the credit for ourselves and to just get ahead of everyone else. We make this a collective, engaging and fun experience for everyone. And that is really what differentiates us as mentions and brings us up on the top. What what a lot of other teams don't understand is that the point of MUN is not to backstab each other and rip solutions out of people's hands to go run them up to um, the judge of the committee and turn them in and take all the credit, but it's really to collaborate with others and work together. So where other delegates will, and this has happened to me before, where someone has actually tried to rip a resolution out of my hand, um, where other delegates will rip resolutions out of hand, we talk to our entire block. Your block is who you work with in order to write the resolution. And we ask all of them to come up with us and turn in the paper together so that the judge of the committee is able to see that this was a team effort instead of one person dominating. And that's really the emphasis of one. It's not who can stand on top, but it's who is able to lead a cohesive group that can collaborate and work together. Um, and that's really what puts us above all of the other teams is that we have those skills. And if there's one thing that consistently I've been told every year in committee is, wow, you guys are so nice. I've been to lots of other committees and I've never seen, I've never seen delegates who are able to lead and be nice the way that you and your partner are able to lead with kindness. And as Mr. Griffith always says every year during the Mon ceremony during Tefilo, Mon, we, we win Mon because of Toro. And I think the Torah is able to instill those values within us, those Jewish values that really help us to remain kind instead of trying to rip up our competitors the way that everyone else does. I love that. That's really beautiful. I guess for the final question on that note, can you tell me a little bit about how Judaism is a part of the Mon Conference, whether that be Tefillah, whether that be Shabbat, where does Judaism live in your experience in Mon? I think that for me, at least by bringing the team together every morning for Shacharit, we're starting the day off on that note that we have not like a secret, but we have this special Jewish connection that the other schools that we're working with, besides for maybe the like two other Jewish schools, don't have. We have this time to recenter and refocus ourselves with our intention being Judaism and our spiritual connections to God and being able to really step away from our own sense of self and our own personal goals that we have to open the broader community, whether it be our little school circle or the wider committee circle. We have this time to redirect our attention and to really set our focus for the entire day. Whereas a lot of other schools will wake up maybe half an hour before committee starts with the goal of, I have to be the one to write the papers. I have to be the one to get ahead of everyone else today. We can start the morning with Shachari and pray together as a school and have this time not focus on how to get ahead, but how to step away. 
just adding on to what Betsy said, part of the struggles that a lot of other very strong teams have is that their teams are competing against each other too. Within the team, there's competition because the members of their team want to prove that they're the best ones on the team and they want to outperform everyone else in their committee. And that causes a lot of tension within the team members as well. And because we have this morning shahari service that really brings us all together, we're able to remind ourselves as we pray together in unison as a minion that we're here together, we're working together, we're not here to compete against each other, and we'll always be there for each other. Another thing that I really think helps us throughout committee with Jewish values is all of the guys on our team wear Rochelle's Al-Kippas. So our, our team is known as the team with the kippas, or for those who don't know what kippas are, the team with the teeny blue hats on their head. And being known as the team with the kippas, and I myself don't wear a kippa, but I have been a part, I, my partner has worn a kippa for the past three years. So being known as the team with the kippas really reminds you that everything you are doing is not only representing your school and your country for that conference, but it's representing the Jewish community, community at large because there are so few Jewish people to come to the committee. And the majority of people at Nisbet, I would say, have never even met a Jewish person before. They're coming from international countries from all over the place that have a very, very small Jewish population, if any. So whenever I hear someone referring to me as, oh, you're from the school that wears the teeny blue hats, I'm reminded, okay, I'm now representing the Jewish community. So I need to act in a way that I would want people to see the Jewish community as. And I keep that in mind through every speech I give, through every communication I have with anyone, that right now I'm not just here to compete for myself, but I'm here to represent the entire Jewish community. And I let that really affect the way that I talk to other people. And I make sure to treat everyone with kindness because I know that that's a value of Judaism. And I want I want to reflect that to everyone who is there at Mun, um, whether or not they've met a Jew. We'll be back in a moment for our interview with Model United Nations faculty advisors, Mr. Dill Griffith and Ms. June Kramer. How is this night different from all other nights? How is this Pesach different from all other Pesachs? On April 1st, fellow Rochelle teacher Tamara Frankel and I will host an online Zoom learning session entitled The Exodus then and now. We'll delve into this paradigmatic story and explore how the lessons offer us models for how we live communally in our age. We hope to see you there. For information about logging on, see the Rochelle Zell Facebook page. Mr. Griffith and Ms. Kramer, thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, oh thank you for having us. Skyping between Lakeview and Barrington, and it's great to see your faces after <laughs> it's been a week at this point. So our Model UN team has won the international championship for the past six years, which is quite a record. And I'm, I'm hoping you could tell us what are you most impressed with from our team's performance? I would say that you go into the committee rooms. First of all, they have learned the strategy of knowing where best to seat themselves so that they are what we call power delegates. They're towards the front of the room. They're more likely to be called upon. And they are so cooperative with one another's efforts. Uh, with the exception of special committees, there are two students assigned to each committee. And they work so 
well together because they've, before going, they've coordinated their study and their writing uh, together. Can you tell me a little bit about what, what do you think the skills are that Model UN cultivates? And also, how do the students cultivate these skills and dispositions? Probably, you would have to say primarily speaking skills, but it's speaking skills that are very different than debate. Every discussion that you're a part of, you're not there to try to win your point. You're there to present your perspective, but to listen ever so carefully to the positions that are being presented by others, because in the end, there must be compromise, because you must come to a solution of a particular problem that is being addressed. And that is a that's a wonderful skill because it stresses listening and understanding the other perspective so that you can come to a compromise. One of the things that goes along with that, I think, is that so they know that cooperation is key to getting rated high and kindness actually really, of course, helps that cooperation. Mm -hmm. And what starts out as a strategy for winning becomes genuine with use. So it's, it's really interesting that, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll feel like, is, this, uh, is there emphasis on cooperating and being kind, cynical? But when you get to the uh, conference, you can see that, they're genuinely feeling good about doing that, that kindness becomes its own reward, you know, and they really do turn into just kind and cooperative kids. At the conference, there are some uh, teams that come that are not nearly so well prepared. They're not, uh, well, perhaps they haven't been to the conference that many times. And so they take a back seat, and our students are so good about reaching out to those persons who are feeling more intimidated and uninvolved and bringing them forward and um, encouraging them to be part of it. And that's a beautiful uh, quality to see in our students. Yeah, it really is, especially some of those very bright students who are used to being heard to uh, get them to understand that they need to be quiet and need to engage other kids is really a life skill for them, you know, that to learn how to moderate that social dominance. We often have at the end of, uh, it seems like every year when the awards are announced and we're the big winners, someone from our other teams, uh, in some instances more than one other team, they go out of their way to come by, not only to congratulate us, but to say, you were so wonderful to work with. We appreciate so much the way you treated us. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can think whether it be this year or you've, you've been at MUN several years. Is there anything that, is there an example that you can think of that you, that you saw of cultivating that kindness and how that existed kind of in the real time? Well, um, it's this was last year or the year before. I guess it was last year. Uh, I 
it's not exactly an example of kindness, but it is an example of that openness. Gabe Wine, for instance, came back and, and <clears throat> said, you know, I had this really good conversation with this kid. And then he told me I was the first Jew he had ever met. Wow. You know, so <laughs> yes. um, it's that kind of mm -hmm. uh, thing where that openness and that invitation that stems really from kindness, I think, uh, really is very moving, you know, for kids who can be very guarded. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about what MUN class sessions look like on every Tuesday and Thursday during the FBA lay slot. I know that students have such a key part in the teaching and also you're helping these students learn teaching skills. What do the classes look like? Well, there's a pretty established um, class routine. Uh, it begins with every student is expected to come uh, having given attention in the news and um, we identify at the beginning of the year the reputable news sources that we expect them to use. So each student is expected to have delved into those and given attention to some international story and to be ready uh, either to volunteer or to be called upon to review that story with his classmates. And so that usually takes about 20 minutes of sharing so the students become uh, well acquainted with all of the critical uh, issues that are going on around the globe. Also, they're not allowed to use their computers for this. So the better kids have developed using notebooks um, and writing down stories. And then Mr. Griffith or I or other team members will frequently challenge a kid to go deeper. Okay, you know, well, why is that? And, you know, what else do you know about that? What's the history or the background? And I think it'd be, it certainly helps them become better global citizens, you know, that they are seeing the interdependence and the intricacies of, of global issues. You know, and we challenge them to be able to see those. From there, it then moves into the work with um, oral skills. Now, that varies. There's any number of different kinds of activities. One of the, perhaps the most infamous one, is what's called a hot seat. And that is that several students are called to the front of the room by the president. There's been an issue, an international issue that has been identified. And the characters the, uh, the, in the story or in the issue, and the, the two groups, the, groups uh, the, the group of students called to the front is then divided into two groups and represents two sides to the issue, and now they must speak to that issue from the perspective of either Russia and the other one must speak to it from the point of view of the United States and... Or Saudi Arabia or <laughs> South American country. Yeah. And so, you know, they've got to think on their feet. And they've got to, you know, they've got to come up with substantive comment. They can't just get up there and, and bull their way around because everybody knows what the news story is about. So why, why are you saying the things that you are saying? It's very intimidating, particularly for the rookies, the first few times they 
get cold on the hot seat, but boy, it certainly does develop a skill. Sure. Both of you are veteran teachers and you've taught at many different places and several different subjects, but MUN is new for you since you came to Rochelle and I'm wondering for you personally, what has it been like to be the faculty advisors, the teachers of, of this program? For me, I've been very happy to grow our female population of yes. monsters. Yes, yes, yes. You know, our first year there were only three. This year we're down a few women, but it's um, still uh, a significant, compared to the three, it, it's, it's much, much better. And we had two female presidents this year, which was a glorious thing. And they were, they did a fabulous job. They were so thorough. So that has been wonderful. You know, women need to be seen, you know, in public, speaking well with authority on uh, complex issues. And uh, to be able to encourage that, I think, is, has been a uh, wonderful opportunity for me. I think that being uh, the faculty advisors teaches you something very important as a teacher, and that is there are students put in a leadership role, and you move to the back of the room. And I think teachers have a very difficult time with that every day. The teachers should not be, so to speak, front and center, even though we're all usually at the front of our classrooms. But to invest students with that leadership role and to trust them and to see them grow in that role is a very special um, opportunity when you uh, advise this group. Maytel and Betsy spoke about how important Judaism was, both in terms of, June, what you were talking about in terms of developing kindness and being a mensch as really the core value, and also more generally getting together each morning for tefillah, for example, singing each year after their victory, <laughs> being together on Shabbat. And I'm wondering for you, in what ways did you see Judaism being involved in the Mun experience? I think it's really central to uh, their victory in victories in two ways. One is the study of Torah and Talmud definitely makes them better scholars. Absolutely. And um, part of why we're winning is because I think our papers are exceptional. Yes. For the depth of their scholarship. And I think a lot of that really does come from that training. The other part is, of course, you know, just the embedded idea of tikkun alam. You know, that it, it is to make a world a better place. and. Mm -hmm. You know, each kid gets these papers are on horrible topics of, uh, you know, child abuse and uh, trafficking and climate change and everything from, you know, soil erosion. And, you know, you could write a 10-page paper about what's happening to dirt, you know, and, and it's dramatic and it's, it, it needs attention. So their attention is called to so many different ways in which we need to be stewards, you know, of not just the earth, but of the human endeavor, you know, to make the world a better place in 
so many different ways. And I think, I think maybe they, maybe they just take it a little more to heart or maybe uh, they're more genuine. You know, sometimes they, they are truly outraged by the things that they're, they're uh, researching and, uh, and that's a very good thing to wake up to that. But I think that is embedded in Judaism that you look around and you don't let things just slide. I also think, and I've, I've been impressed upon, this has been impressed upon me at our RZJ um, across the board. And that is, I think that Jewish students have a sense more so than many other students in uh, public school of being global citizens. Because to be Jewish, you're, you're not just in the United States, you're all over the world. And so I think they bring that sense of belonging to a global family that uh, enables them in ways that certainly um, is beautiful and it also works to their advantage. I think that's very true. I'm hoping you could help explain for people that haven't been there, what does it mean to win? (laughs) (laughs) that it's it seems like it's about developing relationships and beyond as you've expressed but how does a team win (laughs) well that's a good question um we don't know exactly how they tally all of the uh, college students that are overseeing all of the committees that the students are a part of are taking their notes and somehow, of course, they all come together and they tally up their observations. I don't know if they use a point system. It's never been explained to us. Um, So, I mean... Yeah, didn't Julia Mati try to explain it to us? I think it was like a point system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so incredible when you consider there's 3,000 attendees and they're from 23 different countries, you just marvel. How does this small school (laughs) tally up the points? I do think that uh, we have established a reputation. I think they are genuinely so glad that we come year after year because we do bring a degree of dignity and seriousness of purpose that shapes the conference and you know they're so they're so grateful for that. I think the other thing is that you know Model UN is not a zero sum game. So you mm-hmm. win by making sure that everybody's needs get met. Yes. That every ear yeah. you know has heard, every voice has been listened to. So I love that it is not a zero sum game. We are one of you know, uh, I think there were five distinguished first place, if you will, uh, or highest honors schools. So there were five of them. uh, And we were one of those. And that's wonderful, because the the goal is to help everybody get their needs met. So the team that is able to do that best, or most consistently, is going to have that top honor. But no one loses. Our countries have varied over the course of the years. This year included Saudi Arabia. We've even had Iran in the past. And I'm wondering, Pakistan, I'm wondering what it's been like for you and for the school 
to go to the, those embassies and as a Jewish school and more generally to, to try and represent that country, which has different views than our students. Well, first of all, our students, they, do, they step right into it. They, they, uh, they know they have to set aside what might be their own personal view on an issue if, in fact, they have to uh, represent the view of Saudi Arabia or Pakistan or Iran. But um, they step right into it. And, uh, and then when we've gone to the uh, embassies, they have been so cordial. Oh, very gracious. Very Pakistan gracious. And Iran oh. in particular were very gracious. And the Iranian embassy had some really lovely treats. <laughs> yes. Very tasty. And our students have uh, put hard questions to them. They did. They're not, they don't hold back. They did. Mm -hmm. And they always uh, answered calmly, respectfully, and mm -hmm. our students listened respectfully. But uh, they, they asked, the women asked questions about women's rights. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they uh, were always answered in depth, you know. But at, at times they would just say, you know, that, you know, what a woman desires in your culture may not be the same as in our culture. Whereas, right. you know, Iran says, you know, we do have women doctors and, and lawyers and um, well-educated women, but you know, their, their social desires may be different. Right. So, and our kids were gracious enough to say, yes. you know, to not object to that. Right. We have on occasion had to edit position papers by saying, now remember yes. you're Saudi Arabia, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So they're not going to go in for, you know, for <laughs> right. that. You, right. need, you need to dance around that diplomatically. And we do celebrate our students' writing ability because we've now picked up that very special award, which is a, given to only one school, uh, which is for outstanding preparation and writing. Yeah. And this is our third time getting that. So that's really nice. Well, credit to you in your service in the English department, in the history department, working with MUN, and it's been wonderful to talk to you. We look forward to hearing from you more in the future, and thank you so much. Yeah, I can't wait to hear thank the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for being with us for another episode of Rochelle's All Stories. We wish you health and comfort during this time, and wish you a Pesach Kasher Vesameach, Shalom, shalom, vitodarabah.